0: Before we get into today's episode, I want to thank a couple sponsors that we were able to secure for this season, uh, season five of the Scuttlebutt. It's exciting to be able to get sponsors for this. Uh, We're really thankful for them. Uh, The first one, you might have heard them already, is D&D Metal Recycling and Auto Salvage. The Scuttlebutt's been pairing with D&D for quite some time. Uh, D&D began as a small hauling and used auto parts operation in the Pittsburgh area in the late 1970s and has grown into a full-service metal recycling company with two locations, Lawrenceville and Tarentum. These are state-of-the-art scrapyards with deep roots in the community and a strong commitment to the service of their customers. D and D accepts all types of metal, both ferrous and non-ferrous, that may be generated by industrial manufacturing, construction, and demolition, small commercial entities, as well as individual customers. They have a wide variety of material handling equipment and are capable of managing any job in a timely and efficient manner. You can contact them for quotes and availability at D and D. That's D and D. Autosalvage.com. Thank you, DD, for supporting this podcast. Uh, been wonderful collaborating with you, and uh, we're looking forward to, to being with you uh, all through season five here. We'd also like to thank a new sponsor for the Scuttlebutt, Tobacco Free Adagio Health. Tobacco-Free Adagio Health is dedicated to preventing and reducing tobacco use and increasing education about tobacco hazards and secondhand smoke. Of course, the best way to be tobacco-free is to never start, and we'll be sharing more about the many programs offered by Tobacco-Free Adagio Health in the future. You can check out more of their work at tobacco-free.adagiohealth, that's health.org, tobaccofree.adagiohealth.org, tobaccofree.adagiohealth.org org um really excited to have sponsors on board uh for the scuttlebutt and uh i hope you enjoy this upcoming episode
1: you know so if you're at the point where you're looking back and you're like man i've tried i've tried everything i've gone to school i got a job i'm invested in my family i have 10 different hobbies but nothing is pulling me out of the hole that i'm in this i I feel confident saying this will
0: Welcome everyone to another episode of the scuttlebutt i'm your host sean hall director of programming with the veterans breakfast club we're a non in western pa whose mission is to create communities of listening around veterans and their stories to connect educate heal and inspire in previous episodes of the scuttlebutt we've attempted to demystify ptsd and we've also looked at uh, treatments that are available for veterans who are suffering from PTSD. Well, today's episode, we're going to focus in on the Stella Center. They have a semi-revolutionary new treatment uh, that is an injection into the neck. It's called the Stellate Ganglion Block. Uh, We're going to find out way more about this uh, from our two guests. Uh, The first being Valerie Groth. She is head of partnerships at the Stella Center. And the other is Sean Messitt. He is a representative from the nonprofit organization for the love of a veteran. Both of them have actually had this treatment uh, though Valerie is not a veteran. So we get into what the treatment is technically, where the shot is, what it does, uh, but we also talk with both of them about their symptoms, uh, why they decided to get it, and we also talk to both of them about how it felt to get the shot, how they felt afterwards, and much more. So uh, I hope that you enjoy this program. If this is your first time with The Scuttlebutt, please check out our YouTube page uh, or many of our past episodes, and please like, share, subscribe, and ring the bell on YouTube so you're the first to know whenever we we release new episodes. We also very much like to hear from you. You can email me, sean, S-H-A-U-N, veteransbreakfastclub.org. I uh, would love to hear your thoughts on this. And if you yourself or if you know somebody who could benefit from the shot, please get in touch with me. We can pass you on to the Stella Center. There's going to be a lot more information here in the description. Uh, and Without further ado, enjoy the show.
2: Hi, everyone. Glad to be back on the scuttlebutt. Uh, my name is Catherine Diane I am a news anchor and reporter by trade, but I'm also very passionate about veterans' issues and sharing the stories of the veterans that I have in the Ohio Valley, which is where I work. And I am also, as I always say, the very proud granddaughter of a World War II Navy veteran.
0: Thank you, Catherine. And thanks for coming back on the podcast. Uh, Sean, you're, you're the, our, our resident veteran here uh, for today's episode. Uh, please introduce yourself. Welcome to the Scuttlebutt.
1: Thank you for having me. My name is Sean Messon. Uh, as you said, I'm a veteran. I served in the Army uh, 2008 to 2013 with deployments to Iraq and Afghanistan.
0: Thank you, Sean. And you're working with uh, the nonprofit organization for the love of a veteran. Uh, Unfortunately, Christine Waltz couldn't be with us today, but I'm happy to have you representing the organization and we're excited to hear more about it.
1: Absolutely. Thank you.
0: And Valerie, the Stella Center, you and I have connected for a while trying to get this episode together. I'm so happy we finally did. Um, Welcome to the Scuttlebutt.
3: Thank you. Um, in my background, I'm an MSW social worker by trade, um, worked in Chicago Public Schools for a while. I then started a school here in Chicago that I founded and ran for a while in the mental health and trauma space and joined Stella a year ago where I work as head of partnerships.
0: Thank you and really excited for this conversation today. Uh, as I said, Valerie and I have been connecting for a while to talk about the Stella Center and this incredible treatment uh, that has really only sort of come about in the last what two maybe almost two decades roughly it's very recent um, it was it's been around for almost 100 years and I'm going to let you guys talk about it the Stella ganglion block uh, but to start the Stella center what, what is the Stella center and and why are we meeting today to talk about it
3: yeah. Um, and thank you again for the opportunity to be here. We're really happy to get to share all about this with the world. Um, so Stella Center was started a couple years ago as an organization. We are focused on providing interventional um, and innovative trauma-informed practices for those who suffer from trauma symptoms. You don't have to have PTSD, um, but you know as we know, trauma impacts all of us from all walks of life, whether it's you know, being in combat or losing a loved one or sexual assault, you name it. Um, so we work with trauma survivors from across the board. And we have over 46 locations across the country, um, focusing on SGB that I know we're gonna talk more about. But SGB is not something that we exclusively do. Our chief medical officer helped to pioneer this procedure, which is pretty exciting. So about 15 years ago, kind of stumbled into this work um, his father was, um, had, had PTSD from being in World War II in Russia. Um, his mother, unfortunately, um, took her own life kind of as a result of being around that PTSD. And so he had been in the, the medical field for a long time and kind of fortuitously assembled upon this procedure um, because he was already really kind of acutely looking for something to combat PTSD and trauma. So this has been done for about 15 years kind of in the trauma space, but the procedure has been done for trauma for over a hundred years. It's just kind of a new implication for trauma. It's
0: incredible that he was able to find that. And, and I found it amazing thinking that, okay, the block has been used for 15 years. I thought it was, that's it. But no, you look back and it's, it's almost a whole hundred years. I didn't know that back in the 1920s, they were injecting uh, into, uh, into the spine region, into the neck, uh, to take care of uh, t- t- to to cert- help trauma, um, and how did they find that out back in the 1920s?
3: Oh my gosh! Well, that's something i I'm, I'm not super. Um kind of brushed up on. Um, but yeah, this has been done for a long time and really gained popularity over the past decade or so in the military community. Mm-hmm. So the VA is starting to do this at a bunch of their clinics and the Department of Defense has done some research and clinical studies. So it's really taken off in that space and just now kind of trickling down into this world.
0: And what it is, is there's a, a cult, like a, a bunch of nerves in the back of the neck that sort of connect <clears throat> with the amygdala. And it's injecting uh, anesthesia into that area to help relieve the the trauma. It's it's a is that a, an accurate description? Yeah, no,
3: that was really accurate. Except I'll clarify one thing. <laughs> so it's not the back of the neck. It's actually kind of the front side. Oh, so okay. So the stellate ganglion block uh, is named after the stellate ganglion where the injection happens. So the stellate uh-huh. ganglion is a bundle of nerves on the front, right, and left side of the neck. And essentially kind of connects to that amygdala where that fight or flight response lives. So as you noted, it is this one-time injection that essentially resets that fight or flight response.
2: And I've heard that too with other, um, you know, I've done quite a few stories throughout like my other venture in news with veterans and about PTSD because it's an issue that I'm, uh, you know, passionate about trying to help veterans connect with those treatments. But it's always amazing to me. Everybody always uses this phrase when we talk about different treatments, like a reset of part of your brain. And I think I've found that from talking to people, like the most accurate way to describe it, But I want people to understand that really, and I'm sure both of you guys can speak to this, like it truly is a reset of your mind
3: yeah it really is and i'd love for sean to talk a lot more about his experience but but that's exactly right um to be frank with you when i first heard about this procedure having come from being in the medical mental health space um it sounded too good to be true you know i believe in in therapy and talk therapy and therapy is never a one and done right it takes not just weeks or months but typically years to really see Um, the kind of powerful progress that people are looking for. Um, And yet this procedure really happens instantaneously. So for the majority of people that get this, they have an immediate sense of calm that comes over the body and an alleviation of those physical symptoms of trauma. So that feeling of like hypervigilance, being on alert all the time, the racing heart, that kind of like panic attack feeling that so often comes with trauma. Um, and it happens right away. We have individuals at the moment they get that injection, they sometimes are moved to tears because they feel calm in their body for the first time in years, which is pretty amazing.
1: Yeah, speaking of you know talk therapy, Struggled with PTSD for years, you know, I ran the gauntlet of, of talk therapy, CPT, prolonged exposure, in and out of programs. And you do get relief as you go through the program, but it's not as immediate or impactful as I found with the SGB injection, where it is the injection and that burden that weighs on your mind 24 hours a day, that on and off switch that's always on, that immediate relief of that burden, that anxiety, that stress, that guilt. It, it's right away and it's just it's something and i didn't really i doubted when i went into it and it was an amazing
0: experience does it hurt i think that'd be the first thing i see the video of them injecting it does, does is there any pain and, in the injection
1: there's no pain you get the uh, the twilight anesthesia um so you're kind of out of it a little bit but the, the procedure is fairly quick i think it's only like 15 minutes and there's no pain associated with it at all Dur- prior during or post. You have some, some droopiness in the face and some little bit of blurred vision in the side of the injection, whichever one you get, but no pain
0: whatsoever. And Sean, how did you find out about, about the injection?
1: So a few years ago, actually, the first time I ever heard about it was uh, listening to Dakota Meyer, uh, the Medal of Honor recipient, Marine, mm-hmm. speak about it. And he spoke in depth about the change of his life and all related to this, this one simple procedure and I sent it around to a bunch of people. And, and again, I was going through a lot of, of therapy and I was, you, you get a little progress and then it's kind of like two steps back um, for me in my experience. And so I, I came to Chris for the love of a veteran and, and presented it as, you know, this is something that could work if we can get veterans to do this, try this. And I was one of the first veterans that the organization funded to, to go get the procedure and got it done and a mm-hmm. you know, complete game changer.
3: And what i think is really cool and i wish that chris was here to talk more about it chris is the founder of for love of the veteran and hopefully we can put a link because so people can learn more because she's amazing the organization is amazing um, when you know when I first met Chris last summer, I mean they had this amazing mission. They were making care packages for veterans and starting to do SGB. Um, but she has recently kind of shifted the mission, and SGB is kind of the, the the focus of what they're doing. They still do some cool stuff on the side, but this is really like the meat and potatoes of what she does at the organization because she has seen what incredible life altering outcomes it has, which I think is pretty compelling.
0: Sean, what is that the is- mission of For Love of a Veteran?
1: Well, as as you were just saying, the mission's changed. It's it's now it started small and it's grown into what it is today, where we're sending, we're sending every veteran that we can that comes to us uh, to get this SGB injection. All of our fundraising, everything is going to provide for the funding to get as many veterans out and. We're looking to expand to not just veterans but first responders as well uh, within our community to get this injection done and and give them the opportunity to have a better life. Catherine,
2: I was just going to say the thing that you were talking about how immediate the results were, kind of Sean, and that was what struck me the most as we were, you know, watching videos about this and reading some things because obviously everybody has to do what works for them and. PTSD and trauma are so unique is that there really is no one-size-fits-all to help people um, do better. But what struck me was the immediateness of it, which makes me kind of wonder, like, is there an ideal candidate for this? Or can it really help anyone? I
1: mean, personally, I believe it can help anybody. Anybody that's struggling with uh, past trauma that they carry that weight with them to this day. It can help with. Obviously, we're specific to veterans, first responders. That's the community that we work within. But this is for this is for anybody.
3: Yeah, I, you're absolutely right, Sean. Um, you know, we we love working with veterans um, and the first responder community, but uh, you know, outside of that space, um, we've done work and other clinicians have done studies that show, again, this really works for any kind of trauma, and I don't even kind of mean the the typical things that people think about. Um, We now know that, you know, trauma leaves a biological kind of mark on the brain that you can actually see during brain scans. And and that is the same injury to the brain, whether it is combat trauma or even bullying trauma from being in elementary school. Uh, And actually, we see a lot of those kind of different kinds of cases that you wouldn't otherwise think about for trauma. Um, So yeah, this works for everyone. Um, I personally have also gotten the procedure. I am not a veteran, I'm not in law enforcement. I also don't have an official diagnosis of PTSD, Um, but I have kind of just gone through regular life traumas. You know, I've been divorced. I worked in uh, a very, very high stress job as a crisis counselor and I lost students in that setting and kind of was kind of adjacent to a lot of trauma. Um, So more kind of the secondary or or, um, vicarious trauma, if you will. And it has helped me tremendously. Um, so, you you don't have to have a diagnosis to get this. You do need to have different kinds of symptoms and, and kind of feel like you have those visceral symptoms of trauma that manifest in your body. Um, what are those that- symptoms?
1: I think for me, my how with my PTSD and what I experienced the most hypervigilance, definitely anxiety, um, not just with reliving past combat trauma but the anxiety of everyday life and waking up trying to figure out how am I going to get through this day mm-hmm. because every day became just a burden a struggle you carry a weight with you I know for me personally I had a lot of survivor's guilt that I carried with me and what it makes everything else difficult and this is a, a, I think a symptom a lot of veterans face is like an insomnia uh inability to have a restful night of sleep night terrors it's you're, you're pacing, you're walking around, You that again, the hypervigilance, um, those are the biggest ones for me.
2: Mm-hmm. We were doing research for this. We watched a, the documentary about this procedure, and a lot of the, there were um, two veterans and also a nurse who treated COVID patients that went through it, and um, the thing that got me is they all had this moment where they kind of not, not maybe initially after waking up, but the one veteran went back to kind of where he grew up in places where he saw a lot of trauma happen. And there was this moment where it looked like they had this like sense of peace where they could finally relax a little bit and they realized it worked. So Sean, did you, or I guess Valerie, or you two, did either one of you have that moment where you finally felt like a little bit of peace and you're like, okay, wow, this really worked.
1: The biggest one for me was also speaking of symptoms of PTSD, there's that isolation and detachment um, from society, from family. I have a, a little girl, 10 years old, Rosalie, and it was the first time seeing her post procedure. And it was, it was a whole different feeling. It was a whole different feeling of hat of emotion, of happiness and joy and connectiveness that I didn't have, or I lost along the way. And it was, it was immediate and it was intense. And you speak about emotion and, It was overwhelming and that was how I knew right away.
3: I love that story Um, and I've heard that often. Um, The first example of someone that I saw besides myself that had gotten the before and after was someone in law law enforcement who um, I had kind of seen before the treatment and then after was just, this person was a big advocate for trying to get this to other officers and it was an incredible night and day difference. Um, you could just kind of see in, in her affect how she just carried herself differently, like didn't kind of feel as war-worn and just beaten down from having a really hard job, um, and so she spoke about how this impacted her professionally, how it, you know, helps with being more focused and reaction time, but what I thought was really moving was how she spoke about how it impacted her ability to really kind of be present with her spouse and with her kids for the, for the first time in years. Um, and that's just what always moves me to tears. It's just kind of how it impacts people on a personal level. Um, but it is worth noting that reaction time piece, a lot of law enforcement officers get this, one, to help with the trauma they've been through, um, I know a recent study found that the average law enforcement officer faces over 300 traumatic events. I'm sure that's it's just as high or higher in the veteran space as well. So, you know, one, how to, you know, work through that trauma piece, um, but also it can help with reaction time as well, which I think is pretty powerful. I think when you think about the reset of the amygdala, some individuals in that space that have been used to like needing to be on in that fashion in a professional way, um, they worry about that. Why lose my edge? And not at all. If anything, this actually can improve that. The metaphor that I've heard from folks who've gotten this is it's kind of like if I, know if you're going into a a, a setting as a police officer or a veteran and you need to be on this will help you to be more kind of present and focused in that moment um but if you were at the mall with your child and there's a loud noise you're not going to freak out unnecessarily because of hypervigilance that makes sense
0: what ages can can actually have this treatment
3: um pretty much all ages so we can do this teenagers and up there's no age limit um
0: and speaking specifically to sort of the numbers uh, it, it's, it's above 80% that it's effective, at least in shot one, because you can have multiple shots uh, within a shorter time span. Do you, is it found that it's even more effective if you get a second shot?
3: Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. Um, so you're right, we're about 83 to a little bit higher percent have that, that kind of alleviation of the symptoms after that first procedure, um, which I think is pretty exciting. Mm-hmm. But some folks, do have to come back and get a second procedure. What's really interesting is we know that sometimes when there was early life childhood trauma, that indicates a need for that second procedure, um, mm-hmm. but not always. So when you add in whoever gets that second job, we're pretty close to 90,
0: 95% mm-hmm.
3: effectiveness. So pretty powerful numbers.
0: And this lasts for anywhere between six months or longer.
1: I I know me personally, I'm I'm going on over a year now. Oh, wow. Now. It
2: does
3: last <laughs> yeah and have you so what what we have found to be true you know this is not a silver bullet it doesn't mean you know stop going to therapy stop doing the yoga and the meditation the things that are already working you know diet support system all of those things have to be in place too um and we found that the people who are really kind of checking the boxes for all those other healthy habits seem to find that this lasts and works even better have you done any of those additional kind of holistic things in your life or, or, or ways of helping yourself mentally that have
1: contributed yeah, I,
3: to
1: that. Absolutely, I, I've spoken to this in, in the past. It's just one of the biggest other things that this helps with is the fact that you can go and approach talk therapy much differently now. Mm. You're more open to it, you're more accepting. It's not as a emotional, physical burden. And what I saw post-procedure going back into talk therapy is, much more progress was made uh post procedure in my talk therapy sessions. I I could it was I was it gave me the ability to process better. Mm-hmm. Process and move forward. Because
0: you're not sort of in that flight mode right. consistent. Like you can you can sort of absorb yeah. things a little better. Yeah,
1: especially yeah. when you're trying to think of you know you think of CPT therapy, cognitive processing therapy and you're thinking of, you know, you're challenging your your thoughts and your beliefs and now you have the ability to to really challenge them and really actually see the other side or see them a different way and those those burdens those things that are weighing you down it's it's easier to work through them and move forward.
2: Question that I wanted to clarify too for people is you know you said Sean that you were going on almost a year and Valerie you said some people do you know need multiple shots like is there a possibility that maybe after a year or two like people will need to come get one again I mean it seems like a fairly simple procedure to go through like, you know, medic- medically wise with like any type of recovery or anything, but like, is this something where maybe like after a few years, like somebody's going to need another one? I just, you know, want people to get a, a you know, a picture of, because this seems like something that can work for folks long-term. So I just want to get, you know, uh, that
3: uh, yeah, it definitely does. And there's a lot of variants just because we all metabolize things differently and our bodies are different in various ways. Um, but yeah, this, this is long lasting, like Sean had the experience of, um, you know, we, we often hear that this lasts for many years. Again, if someone's going back into a really tough situation they might need to go back right if you're going back into combat and coming home we might need to get almost kind of a booster every couple of years we do see in active duty military they're coming a little more often than someone in the civilian world um that we've seen cases of this last 10 years and even a decade
0: valerie what led you to get the injection you said that that there was some sort of tertiary trauma but uh what yeah, actually yeah. brought? how'd you find it
3: um, so I, you know, I, again, I, I heard about this procedure a year and a half before I got the procedure myself. And I, you know, I, I, I that was just because I had a lot of questions about it. Um, I couldn't believe that I hadn't heard about this com- someone coming from the mental health space. And I really thought it was too good to be true. I couldn't comprehend that there could be a one-time procedure that causes these immediate results. So I, you know, I have dealt more with, as I, as I would kind of classify it as anxiety, again, not PTSD, um, but, you know, the a very similar manifestation of those uh, physical symptoms, right, of um, just that, not the hypervigilance, as much as just kind of the racing hearts and certain situations or memories would kind of trigger that fight or flight response in me. So I got the procedure to see if it would help with my own trauma symptoms, but also I was just really curious and I wanted to see for myself if it actually worked as well as I, I've heard that it did. And it really does. Um, it's it's pretty life-changing. Um, the first thing that I noticed um, was, well, first of all, you, you had that or I did have that immediate sense of calm that is, is very, very noticeable. Um, but what I thought was really powerful was I had gone to a session with my therapist afterwards and it was actually a new therapist. Um, and I was going through kind of the health history and recounting some things that I had been through And I was telling a story of something that was very triggering to me in the past. And the therapist stopped me and said, hey, Val, do you realize you are smiling, you are grinning while you're talking about this, you know, kind of tough situation. And I couldn't believe that I was able to do that um, because previously it was something that I would really kind of shut down or get really emotional and and cry and um, was difficult to even think about, let alone to talk about with someone else verbally without getting really kind of over over consumed or consumed with those bodily sensations of of anxiety and trauma Um, so to sit there and to be able to kind of talk rationally about the situation for the first time in my life was just really powerful Um, the things that have happened to you are you know they're still there and it, it feels like your brain is still aware and can kind of work through those insights then with your therapist but it doesn't impact your body. That feels like the differentiation for me. I don't know about for you, Sean, but it's almost like there's these two, two pieces now. And so my brain can do the work and process things and make the changes, but my, my body is no longer kind of consumed by that.
1: Yeah, and for me, the biggest, the hardest part prior to the SGB injection was just asking for help. Like I, I, I knew, my family knew, the people around me knew, say something drastic is going on in his life that's, it's, really negative and, and they didn't know they didn't have the knowledge of like how to get help and I didn't have the I wasn't empowered enough to ask for help and even now like as certain things in my life begin to to re-trigger me and I struggle like I, I have the ability I just recently just asked for help as I'm looking and hey maybe a, a another injection might help me again and it's not it, it doesn't feel as as bad as like I'm failing as it used to like I'm, I'm, fail- I'm a failure now it's just like hey I need help. And it feels good to, to get it and to know you have the support of so many people. And Chris is, is the ultimate support in the organization for love of a veteran. I mean, her love, and it's, it's an unconditional love. She, she loves her veterans. And I just recently just asked her for more help, and she's on it right away. It doesn't matter. She drops everything in her life to, to really help us.
0: Do you feel like there's a stigma shot in the military of you shouldn't ask for help in this way? It's like admitting weakness or something.
1: I think that's with the stigma it's more on an individual basis um, you know for me it wasn't so much in the military like because my i mean my brothers in arms i could go to them for anything you know but and, and we were able to handle it and i think the problem is is when you you leave the military and we all kind of go our separate ways in life especially after you live through combat deployments to iraq and afghanistan you lose friends and you see some some of the worst atrocities imaginable and then you go home and it's 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 difficult to talk to your family. It's difficult to talk to your loved ones. You know, it's difficult to talk to my girlfriend Atley and explain what's what's going on inside of me, whereas I could talk to my friends and and it, it's not even so much talking. We're not having therapy sessions. We're just like a head nod and a look and like, yep, I get it. Come on. You know, let's let's go find a distraction. Let's go do something. And and you kind of lose that. And you try to find friends within the communities that you're you're from, but it's just it's not the same. So the the stigma is. For me personally, it was just hard to
0: find trust again. You feel like the shot gave you that ability to find trust again.
1: Yeah, it, it definitely does. And you don't always win with trust. You, you know, you're not always going to win with it, but it gives you, it presented me the opportunity. And I've been very fortunate because I found Chris. So, I, you know, I, I, she changed my life. So finding her, and just trusting her completely. It's been, it's been a very rewarding experience. And it gives me the ability to, to then do it again to somebody new.
0: And how can someone find Chris? I and you know, we have our her website, but is there a way to contact her?
1: Yeah, of course. I mean, through the website, it's her. She has her cell phone number up there. She has her email. I mean, she's readily available.
3: Yeah, she's amazing, and yeah, she'll she'll give you her cell. I mean, you, yeah. she's available all the time for any veteran out there. She
1: um, yeah, she personally drove me to and from New York City to get this done. So I mean, she she took right. care of me. <laughs> yeah.
3: She's fantastic. I, I'd love to ask you a follow-up question about that. I know this is going to be listened to and watched by a lot of veterans and also civilians. A large portion of those, those people, I'm sure, will have that same reticency around asking for help but admitting that there is something that could help them, that they're not trying or that there, there could be a need for something different. And What is your advice to someone listening who might still have that kind of hesitancy or, or nervousness to... Mention here something I'm going through.
1: Yeah, I mean, I had it too going into it. It's just something. Look, you, especially for veterans. I mean, and first responders. I mean, you've taken so many risks. You know, I mean, just thinking about on any type of combat mission or just joining the military in general during a, a wartime effort. It's you've already taken the risk. This is a very small risk with a very mm-hmm. big rewarding outcome. And if you just listen, you can listen to any story. I mean, I haven't heard a story yet that had a negative outcome out of this, so it's well worth it.
2: And I feel like, too, the more, you know, we've had different episodes regarding PTSD and different health and treatments, and I've heard both of you mention the word stigma in a couple of your answers, and I feel like mental health in general, there's still a stigma around it, whether you have anxiety or depression or, you know, some type of PTSD or something like that. And I think having these conversations and sharing both of your experiences, which I applaud you for doing, because I know mental health is difficult to talk about in the first place. And then you guys are sharing it, you know, so publicly, but I think a big part of any type of treatment is being able to get the word out there and veterans who may need help hearing from other veterans or people who have gotten this and saying, oh my gosh, okay, like I'm going to believe, you know, a a fellow veteran who went through it or something like that. So I think, and I'm sure, I feel like you guys would both agree with me that conversations like this are so very important to have. And that may be the starting point for a veteran who's listening that says, okay, I heard their conversation. I need to go get help.
1: Yeah, and I think the beautiful thing is, is the progress we've made, I feel like the stigma's really dropped as far as asking for help I, I mean I, I can see it just within my veteran community that I'm in and I can see it more and more changing you know the society's changing the military community is changing the veteran community is changing to be more open about the struggle we're having the problems we're having to, to ask for the help and it starts with conversations like this
2: mm-hmm.
0: so after you've had the shot you have sort of more of a sense of calm. You're not in that, that fight or flight mode. Uh, the switch is not turned on consistently. I'm thinking of people who who maybe not be combat veterans, but who deal with anxiety, depression and, and, and triggers that they have. Is this a treatment for them as well? They, they would get this shot and then uh, find themselves in a moment that could or used to trigger them that'll be lessened or they could cope with in, in a new way?
3: Yes, although uh, kind of a disclaimer to that, it kind of depends. Um, so I mentioned, I, I have more anxiety than, than typical PTSD symptoms and it's helped me tremendously and a lot of other individuals that we've worked with. Um, when you layer on top of the depression, it gets a little bit trickier and that sometimes there could be a need for additional services like ketamine, which we offer as well. Sometimes ketamine plus SGB is a really powerful treatment for someone who has more intensive depression Mm -hmm. Um, But I mean, depressive symptoms are are very much kind of part of that PTSD package for so many individuals. Um, You know, this is something that we know has helped, you know, individuals who had felt suicidal in the past um, and knowing that the veteran suicide rate is is what it is. Um, That's why a lot of the organizations that we work with have gotten involved trying to to make a difference in that space.
0: A follow up to that sort of Sean in, in. If, if you think about the triggers that that you had prior to the shot have you coped better with them after having it
1: certainly and i don't want you know a veteran to to think like like i think he's mentioned earlier in the, in the podcast here is um the silver bullet like, this is a magic bullet that's just going to be a cure-all no it's it's, it's you're still going to be emotional on anniversary days you know of, of your friends being kia or memorial day or you're going to have triggers that are going to present themselves, what it's going to give you the power to do. It's going to empower you to handle this better. Mm-hmm. It's not going to be, you're not going to shut down and, and go in a tailspin and kind of ruin relationships and, and aspects of your life like you used to. It gives you that power to, to deal with it, you know, to face it, deal with it and move forward.
0: How does someone get the shot And do they need insurance? So if
3: anyone wants to learn more, go to StellaCenter.com. And there's tons of more information about SGB first, um, but also a list of all of our providers across the country. We have currently 46 locations and we keep adding more over time, Um, but if you're interested in in getting the procedure, you would wanna talk to one of our patient care coordinators. They would walk you through over the phone, um, a health screening and a mental health screening to see if you qualify. And this is currently not covered by insurance. We hope that it will be in the next couple of years. We're just not there yet. Um, There are some kind of exceptions to that. Sometimes HSA or FSA plans will cover it. Um, there are opportunities too to do like a no interest payment plan over the course of a couple of years Um, but there are also some opportunities like some military discounts and other ways of making this really affordable as well
0: but for love of a veteran is sponsoring veterans too correct yes absolutely Mm -hmm. one of the things that
1: i saw with this that doesn't get talked about a lot is so I i have a tbi and after the injection i noticed changes with symptoms in my TBI. I know a lot of TBI symptoms and PTSD symptoms intertwine Mm -hmm. and they're very much the same, but I noticed a significant decrease in my migraines, the ringing in my ears. And uh, it was something I didn't expect because nobody really talked about it. Valerie, I don't know if any other veterans have have noticed that as well.
3: Yeah, no, I'm so glad you brought that up. Um, And so often there is that overlap with PTSD and and TBI, but also for for non-veteran, folks in the civilian space too. We we have seen that and we have collected that data. We know that first of all, um, this can help with, with previous TBI symptoms. Um, but also if someone were to kind of incur a new TBI, this the sooner you can get this procedure, the better their symptoms will be. Mm-hmm. Um, we've talked to individuals who have had numerous TBI's in the past that's helped with kind of with their symptom management, but then getting a new one, they were able to cope much better than they had previously. Um, so that's been incredible to see.
2: Valerie, you had mentioned coming from kind of that mental health space and doing the work that you did, Um, you had never heard of, of this. And obviously it's it's been around long enough that maybe you would have. Do you think that we're on our way to where this procedure becomes something that's maybe like, you know, thought of as like a standard of care or something that when we talk about PTSD or trauma, that's like on the list of maybe like one of the first things that people will think about when they, um, you know, treat, for example, doctors would think about when they treat their patients or therapists would recommend people like, do you think that's where we're headed, where this becomes like, you know, a, a prominent form of treatment?
3: Yeah, I absolutely do. I hope it happens sooner than later, but I I believe we're we're moving in that direction. Um, Although the majority of mental health clinicians are not aware of this, those that have seen this in action just become, you know, just champions for this. So we work with a bunch of therapists and clinicians who, as soon as they have one patient go through this, they see, like Shauna talked about, just how much this really enhances and just increases um, the outcomes from therapy and they want to keep making that part of the deal. Um, So, you know, this is a great kind of first step or like that primer before the paint, if you will, of getting calm in your body first and then going through um, the talk therapy, the equine therapy, all those other great things out there. So I think we're starting to see that, but it's, you know, going to take a little bit of time still, but hopefully we're moving in the right direction.
2: Is it one of those things where you both said it seemed like too good to be true when you first heard about it until you went through it? Is it one of those things where like, you know, uh, yeah. folks in the medical community like have to see somebody go through it before they realize like, okay, people can get this much oh. help with one shot, essentially.
3: Yeah, and I would say for anyone listening, you know, if you're an individual patient, um, let's talk. And and we also, we have people like Sean who have gone through this, who have raised their hand and said, I just want to kind of share with my experience. So always happy to connect you with someone who's gotten the procedure to answer any questions you have. But if anyone is listening who is a mental health provider or a doctor and they want to learn more, reach out to us as well. I mean, we are happy to open our locations and have people come in and sometimes, you know, for doctors to see the procedure so that they can really trust and experience it themselves
1: yeah and i think for veterans that are running a a medication management program you know it it gets very taxing i know i ran that program and it's very taxing it's very hard to to do when you're bouncing around one medication to the next to see which one works and you just a 15-minute procedure that's it (laughs) i mean and that's it it's like it's just and it goes back to, you know, why should a veteran do this or like, why should they trust this this program is like, well, how, you know, how long have you have you tried everything else,
0: mm-hmm. you know, and just go give this a chance. And really you yeah. have nothing to lose. I mean, if there's yeah. you no know, side effects, and even if you're part of the, you know, less than 20% that it might not be effective the first time, you're still not going to have, you know, anything really negative happen from it. <laughs>
2: Sean, kind of, again, remind the veterans community that, like, if you're somebody listening to this that is struggling, like, there is, there are different ways of hope and help out there. Like, I always, you know, feel like when we talk about anything with PTSD or mental health, because I know how taxing that can be to people, and I know, unfortunately, there are quite a veterans you know, few veterans every single day that will take their own life as a result of trauma and PTSD, so I just think, you know, I would like to have you remind you know, your fellow veterans once again, that like there is help out there and there are ways to find that help. You know, all they might have to do is pick up the phone or contact, you know, for the love of a veteran or somebody, like there is help out there.
1: Yeah, and I think as as the VHA works through the, um, the process of, of learning more about the SGB and making it part of the practice at, at more VAs and I don't think there's many right now. I know my personal VA and everybody that, that works there is wonderful, but they, they didn't know about this injection and uh, a lot of them that I still interact with don't and become like an ambassador of the injection to like spread the information. But if you run into that, that initial wall to VA, that you can't get it done. If we can get more and more nonprofits to get veterans, this help, it would, it's going to change their life.
0: Sean, you got out in, in 2013, uh, after what was a five, five years in, yep. um, when, when, when you were going in, and during your time in service, uh, did you ever think when you got out, I'm going to have to find some way to reacclimate, you know, this transition back to civilian life? Did you think it was going to be a difficult process?
1: No. Um, I mean, you do and you don't. It's you read the stories about it and you talk to other veterans, especially in 2008. There were plenty of veterans that I was able to speak to that had been in combat since 2001. So they they spoke about it, but it doesn't. It, it doesn't impact you when it's just spoken word until you actually experience it
2: mm-hmm. and, and
1: speaking of that sgb injection you, know, you come back from these deployments and you you're trying to reintegrate back into some version of society well you're seeing the world upside down you're seeing it in a whole different way than you you can't even imagine and then you get the sgb ins- injection and you're seeing the world again in a in a new way but this way is easier to you know it's a A beautiful open road drive, you know, (laughs) driving down the beach compared to like a desolate hellhole that you see when you come back from, from deployments.
0: And of the friends that you had coming out of the service, have a lot of them tried different ways to deal with uh, any of the trauma that they've experienced, and we should, you know, we've done podcasts about demystifying PTSD. That not every veteran deals with it. That's sort of something as civilians we we think every veteran comes back dealing with PTSD, but that's not mm-hmm. true. And but you may have had some friends who were dealing with trauma, and did they find other other avenues uh, before trying the shot? You know, how are they coping with it?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I, I mean, I certainly have tried many different avenues as well, and you know, guys will have success. They might find uh relief in uh doing art or or just building something or, or creating, you know, as whereas other vendors can like myself do 10 try 10 different things and nothing really work, nothing really stick, but the shot does for me. You know, so if you're at the point where you're looking back and you're like, man, I've tried I've tried everything. I've gone to school, I got a job, I'm invested in my family, I'm I have 10 different hobbies, but nothing is pulling me out of the hole that I'm in.
0: This, I, I feel confident saying this will. <laughs> um, that's great. Uh, so if people can go to StellaCenter.com, uh, if they're looking for ways to help fund this, uh, it's for the love of a veteran.org. Um, And there, is there more than just Sean, you and, and Christine? Uh, how many? What's the organization look like?
1: The organization, there's plenty of people that work with not maybe not like directly, but Christine has contacts, you know, everywhere, and we have a community of people willing to help um, And within the professional community. It's not, you know, just two people, three people sitting there. She has contacts everywhere and mm-hmm. she's willing to to meet you
0: where you're at. And uh, Valerie as for the Stella Center, you know, how is the organization working nationwide.
3: Yeah, so again, we are, there's a link to all of our locations on stylescenter.com. And mm-hmm. if anyone has any questions, um, my email is valerie at So V A L E R I E at Um, And I'm happy to answer any questions. I do a lot of work with organizations. If anyone's listening that's part of an organization, um, we have some special ways that we can work with nonprofits to make this really affordable. Um, you know, feel free to email me if you have questions about getting the treatment, um, learning more about. Stella, we have a webinar that we host. We have a wonderful chief psychologist named Doc Springer, who worked as a VA psychologist for many years. She's really fantastic and knowledgeable, and she hosts a webinar every, uh, I think, second Tuesday, so we'll have the link in the show notes as well. That's a great place to just jump on and answer or kind of ask any questions that you have if anyone wants to learn more.
0: And they can also call a toll-free number 1-866-497-9248. Uh, to, to reach the Stella Center, um, you pop right on the main website for Stella Center um, and you do see a, a link there. Take our PTSD quiz. What is that what what is involved with that?
3: That's a great question. So that is what's essentially kind of what's called the PCL. so it's an assessment tool to screen for different trauma symptoms. Um, we also sometimes use a GAD7, which is a screener for anxiety as well. So that'll help tell our team if the person is eligible for the procedure or not.
0: Awesome. Uh, Catherine, any, any final thoughts?
3: Uh, no, I just thank
2: you both for sharing your story. And I'm thrilled to learn more about this. And just to, you know, when I was looking on the Stella website to see how many people have gotten this and, and had help. And, you know, the fact to learn that there's organizations out there willing to help veterans get to these treatments. I just think it's, it's you guys are doing great work, not only sharing your stories, but, um, you know, continuing to make sure that people, no matter where they are, can get to, this treatment if they want it so I just commend you both for uh, you know the work that you do and being so open with your story. Thank you
0: I echo that and any of our listeners, if you know someone who may benefit from this shot, please share the podcast um, share the links that we will have in the description here. Um, Sean and Valerie, it was a, a pleasure and an honor uh, to hear your stories today and to hear more about the stellet ganglion block. Uh, and I hope more people uh, use this treatment uh, because it really does seem like, uh, boy, it, it, it can help a lot of people.
3: Yeah.
0: Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Yeah, for t and And to our audience, please like, share, subscribe, ring the bell on YouTube so you're the first to know whenever new episodes come out. We'll be back uh, with uh, our final episode of season five of The Scuttlebutt, Shakespeare and Veterans. Who'd have thought that Sean would have combined art and veterans again in another episode? Um, But I'm excited for that one to bring to you guys. Uh, Thank you so much for watching and listening, and uh, we'll see you on another episode of The
2: Scuttlebutt.